Now you go, 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 oh, oh, I go, no, you go, oh, I go, no, you go, this is so embarrassing, I can't believe it, now you go. I was going somewhere and now I'm lost. I'm so tired, last night, tired, so, let's talk. Last night, tired, morning, tired, right now, still tired, later, gonna be tired again. Um... Allie Blakester, you have some exciting news to share with the podcast. Welcome to the show. We got to do a proper intro for Allie. Welcome to Now You Go. Uh, I'm going to do a different one of those every time. I'm also pretty high. I'm not going to lie. Uh, what's up, everybody? Stop. <laughs> so, Allie stop, Blake. Stop. Welcome to the Blakester show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We love you so much. You're you're a big friend of the show. You just love always been show. such a friend to us. Love um, Really show. appreciate it. Thank love you. Hold on. I planned to do. If I play something on Spotify in my headphones, will you guys be able to hear it? Does anybody know that? We don't. No one knows that. All right. Let me see it. Can you guys hear that? That's all the people get. That's all the people get. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> newest single do it all over again <laughs> came out today sorry okay go ahead i love you <laughs> um yeah it came out today that in my video <laughs> yeah awesome. so ali Allie blake you're a recording artist here based in los angeles an incredible singer songwriter and we appreciate you coming on to the show my question is where did it all begin where did you get your inspiration to be a singer to be an art like where kind of did that come from for you i've sang ever since i was a little girl so like singing kind of feels like home to me and it feels like breathing sort of so um there's that <laughs> and the writing part came a little later I think I started to write even just really like simple cheesy stuff when I was in middle school I want to say and um but I had a conversation with my brother when I was after my first year and a half of college um, because I I also am really passionate about animal rights and taking care of the planet environmentalism and stuff and so I in the back of my head as a kid I always kind of fantasized about like performing and and making music as my career but I just I was so, I didn't really consider it to be a viable option, I guess. Um, and my brother, this conversation I had with my brother really helped me a lot because he encouraged me to give music more of a shot, like more of a focus and a commitment. So I would say, yeah, that was a pretty pivotal moment for me in terms of my growing commitment to focusing on writing and singing and and like exposing myself like sharing it 
with right. people because it's weird when I was little I have three older brothers and <laughs> I was sort of like a sassy little girl but and I was like silly and stuff and I sang and danced with them and everything but if ever I was put on the spot it I don't know. I just, I got really shy. So um, I think high school helped a little bit with that for sure. Coming out of that shyness, but then, yeah, again, like talking with my brother and that having mm. that encouragement really. Was that the me. first time that you had experienced kind of someone that close to you and whose opinion you think that highly of kind of telling you like, yes, this is something that you should do. Like, yeah it was it was yeah it was which is kind of surprising because I grew up in a very my parents never went into the arts but um they they exposed us a lot to like mm -hmm. music and theater and stuff mm -hmm. and we all got into it especially my brothers um and then and I got into it too um and my like we're all very strong personalities but I think maybe just being the youngest and the only girl right I was less I was less um focused on like really putting myself out there mm -hmm. so yeah and no one like people in my family definitely told me like they liked my voice and they said stuff about my voice and stuff, but never to the degree where I really felt like, oh, I could do this, mm. you know? Right. Um, but then, and like my brother who I talked to about all this, he, he had a different trajectory with school and stuff. So he, what, he, he left home around like 15. And so he wasn't even around me sort of like developing all that stuff as the years went on. So he heard me, I sent him like some really rough demos of me singing covers my first year of college, which was actually abroad. And he just hadn't like heard me really sing like that before, I guess. Mm -hmm. Which was, you know, I was so used to it, but. Right. As yeah, so when he heard that, he um, really gave me that support and stuff, and it was really meaningful. That's great. Yeah. Who were kind of the artists that inspired you growing up that you had listened to? Like, was there music kind of around the house that you listened to that you were still inspired to? And were there any artists that you discovered on your own, maybe later on in life that you really, you know, kind of gravitated towards? Um. It's definitely evolved over the years, but I would say I grew up listening to a lot of beat. My dad loves the Beach Boys. So I would, <laughs> I actually listened to a lot of artists, I think, from that era. Because um, my parents liked listening to older music. So, um, like the Beach Boys, Beatles, and then also older jazz greats like Ella Fitzgerald and Nat King Cole and stuff so and like whenever I was in the car with my mom or anything we'd all always listen to the oldie station and so like I'd I'd hear the Shirelles and um 
and the temptations and just like you know all these people that i just i fell in love with motown and i fell in love with like old jazz standards and stuff and so that i always felt really connected to that music and blues and so and then as i got older definitely in elementary school got into the like a lot of 90s pop like Mm -hmm. boy bands years all that stuff and then my brothers they listened to like neil young and then and bob dylan and a variety of um sort of like folk rock indie kind of stuff i guess you Mm -hmm. could say and they introduced me to all that and i looked up to them so much so i would just anything they gave me whether it was music or books or movies I would just absorb so I went through a phase of like kind of rejecting the pop stuff Mm -hmm. um, and like focusing on that and now and I've been returning to kind of integrating all of it and like loving Mm -hmm. all of it (laughs) Um, and I I would say that I'm really influenced by the the jazz and Motown and then also like I love Alicia Keys I love Haim I love um like Jeff Buckley and I actually I really love Brandy Carlisle too and it's funny because this is sort of a tangent but um I read a BuzzFeed article like interview today this morning with her And it's funny because I made like, so I don't know if you guys have read The Artist's Way, but I- Yes, a little bit. I feel like I have that somewhere. (laughs) It's one of the books that I bought, but I've never read. The Artist's Way is a great book. And I had started it a couple times, but the second time I actually went through and did all of the exercises for the chapters. And one of them was like making a collage of things that just resonate you and inspire you and stuff. And I had put a different article about Brandy Carlisle on there. And mm-hmm. but that was like probably a couple of years ago. And the collage has like been under my bed because <laughs> I have nowhere to like hang just a, col- a collage like that. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't want to throw it away. So it's there. And as I was reading this article, it just kind of reminded me of that and how much she resonates with me as an artist and as a person. Um, and so that was cool to remember because I, I really, the whole reason I want, the whole reason I keep pursuing music as a career is because I want to connect with people and work with people and have like a meaningful meaningful effect and connection and stuff um and she she talks about in this article how she doesn't like being in the center alone or Mm -hmm. she doesn't like being in the center because that means you're like alone and she is constantly collaborating with people and um she has two bandmates and she just feels it's it's very much 
she's inclusive and like generous with how she shares herself and her music and that that really is at the heart of it for me because like I can totally make music on my own and it just be for me and it's definitely therapeutic and I will never stop singing or you know doing any of that but in terms of like really exposing it and sharing it that's right that's the driving force for me i guess right yeah, yeah you, you want to like build that connection with people and see if you know the things that you create the art that you create resonates with them too and it's a scary thing it's an incredibly scary thing yeah do that. but it's so special like when you're in a room <laughs> when you're at a concert no matter how different everyone may be from each other, you're all there because you love music. Mm -hmm. and you love this space and you want, and you you share it together where, whether you like it or not because you're there. So um, it's, it's trend, it can be transcendent, you know? Yeah. Totally. Is it natural for you to, to work with others and bring other people? into your process or was that something you had to learn to do? I think it was something that was, well, it was really new for me, um, sharing it with someone, sharing my music with like any co-writer or producer even, because that involves a lot of vulnerability and so I wasn't used to that. Um, and it was both really scary and hugely relieving because I don't like the feeling of being alone. And I also really love piecing something together with someone because it allows me to strengthen my weaknesses and like be flexible and, and open-minded and see things in very different ways and then it also allows me and reminds me that I have something to contribute to and that it's it's really like it's such a magical feeling when you have chemistry with someone creatively and and you can you can make something new together that never existed before even if it's inspired by stuff. It's like, it's still something new. And right. um, I, I agree on the, the chemistry part. Um, it's so special to have creative chemistry. And there's been, I noticed that for me, it's hard to keep the creative chemistry simply creative and not morph it into something more because I feel like creativity is like the highest, most fulfilling part of human existence. It's mm -hmm. like love actualized. So I feel like um, I need to figure out how to collaborate and not wanna do other things with that person. But I will get there the more I collaborate with people. I feel like with music, um, okay, I used to do spoken word poetry and freestyle and rap. And I feel like something that, um, I feel like something that helps me is I only write 
raps or poems when I feel like I can't process something and the only way to put it down on paper is the way to do it. Do you feel, what's your songwriting process? Is it like an over eruption of feelings that you just can't handle or do you have like an intention like I'm going to write a song about dolphins or love or global warming? <laughs> I should I need to write a song about You need dolphins. to write a song about yeah. <laughs> um I think actually this the latter um in terms of having an intention is a skill that I've a newer skill that I've like been exercising um, that I think is really important because it's just, it's good to push yourself and break out of your comfort zones. Um, and I think what I'm most used to is just writing something out of um, inspiration or it being cathartic and, and, and processing something like like you just said, it's a way of processing something. And that was, that definitely applied to my last album. And, but it applies really to every song. And um, so it's fun to challenge myself though with, I actually, with different family members, like I've written my brother a, birth, a song for his birthday and that it was a really good challenge because <laughs> I had to, I don't know, I like I had to um, really think about what authentically described him to me um, and just like what feels true about it for him as a person. Um, and it's great because that, that also plays a part in being able to collaborate with people big time. Like you, I've definitely been forced to um, just, I guess, look beyond what's in my own experience or what's in front of me. Right. I feel like songwriting requires more skill than I think people generally tend to think about. I feel like we tend to think of songwriters as like they get this, you know, wave of inspiration and the song just kind of comes, you know, flowing out of them. It's a beautiful thing. But it's really like a almost like a like let's say like a screenwriter where you have to kind of follow certain like there's, you know, there's outlines and there's kind of like a, a system, a formula in a way that you have to, you know, bring together coherent verses and coherent cho chorus and you know kind of like a bridge and it's like it's it is a very much a skilled thing that you have to kind of like learn and hone and keep working on right like it's it's much more technical I think than than people would think it definitely can be yeah that's also the the really interesting thing about it is it's literally just infinite and everyone writes so differently and you it's all about the choice that you make. Like if you choose, if you want to make something more cohesive, coherent, if you wanna like, you know you wanna have a hook or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there are different, there's definitely different ways to go with that. And then other times it does just flow out of you and like, yeah. It's really, really interesting in that way, but it's about the choice that you make. Like you can really 
You can, like in April of last year, I committed to writing a new song every single day. <laughs> and that oh. was like really, really hard for me because mm -hmm. I, I was so used to just like letting things come as they come. And, mm -hmm. but it felt really good to push myself and also let go of perfectionism with it because not every song is going to be perfect and not every song is going to be good. And you have to like, just trust that they will keep coming. And just because one might not work out doesn't mean like everything's over. Right. But that's something I've, I'm constantly learning about. That's interesting. Um, when you write a new song every day, um, how, how often do those turn into songs that you're like, this is a, this is a keeper? And like how, how much of it is just like, just, just practicing your craft. I'm trying to think of like a percentage to give you <laughs> like, hmm, I would say, I would say maybe a handful, meaning like five songs I want to say are ones that I would want to flesh out and, and work on to actually record. Yeah. 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 I'm just thinking, cause I, I have a, I have a writing teacher who would, he would do a, a challenge with his friends. He's also a musician and they would write 20 new songs in one day. Whoa, <laughs> that is wild. That's awesome. Yeah. So he really would have to like push himself to be like, well, let me try writing a country song, a pop song and just like, row out any like expectation of it being good and just like getting them done yeah yeah no it's really amazing <laughs> that's amazing that's a lot yeah it's a lot that's it's a lot. it's good too because at some point like at some point I got burnt out but I kept doing it mm -hmm. but it still showed me I don't know it still led me to discover like new things that I liked or didn't like and kind of just had a good recharge after it because I, I guess it's sort of like when you if you're exercising or something or you, and you get really really tired you you can't think of, about anything than what you're actually doing so sometimes those critical voices or whatever just can't even, they don't have room there. So in that way, I found it kind of interesting too. Like it tired those voices out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds really um, like awesome to have the experience of pushing through the perfectionism and like getting out to the other side. I have a question for everyone on the podcast. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about trying to not put pressure on your art by making it the way one supports themselves financially. Elizabeth Gilbert worked several years into her book writing career because she wanted to make sure that she always had the space to be creative in writing and not reliant on what she loved most to pay her bills. I want everyone to answer what, how they're able to keep their creativity creative and not contaminated by um, always thinking like, well, will this sell? Will this have an audience? And Tracy, you can start. 
Thank you so much for your question. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a big struggle for me because I, I feel, yeah, I feel very uh, wary of needing to make money from my art um, and having to commercialize it or change it in any way in order for someone to uh, acknowledge me financially. Um, so that, I mean, in, uh, yeah, it, I think it's very, it's a difficult thing to navigate. And for me, I have resisted, uh, I just have resisted engaging professionally with my art. Um, and I think I'm still working through that and like is there a way for me to uh survive financially as a result of like my writing and my creativity or do I find a way to support myself in another capacity so that I'm free to do whatever art that I choose and not not worry about if it's ever going to have a larger audience um, and I think that I'm leaning towards that um, personally, uh, but I'm also open to that changing. Um, it's very, it's very hard to, to exist. It's very hard to exist um, and be- You're doing it. You're doing, doing it right doing now. It. <laughs> right now, but yeah. It's, it's, it's a struggle, still figuring it out. Well, that's a satisfactory answer. My hat is off that I don't have that you can't see. So, um, Brian, please let me know your thoughts on the, the matter at hand. Um, so many thoughts on the matter at hand. Uh... Um, I don't know. I tried to, like, I'm very much aware of, like, needing to, you know, like, I've always had to work to sustain the creative thing that I want to pursue. And, like, that hasn't changed. Would I, do I want to eventually get to a point where I can make money off of the art that I do? Absolutely. It would, uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and I think, because for me, um, I don't know, it would represent some sort of like, not even just like that I get to get my work seen and appreciated, which is all obviously things that I would want, but for me, it represents like equity. It represents like, uh, uh, you know, showing someone from like black and brown communities that like you're able to get to that point and like you can kind of like succeed with having your story told and, and so I try to, you know, I try to write as much as I can. And uh, even though I don't get to do it a lot, like I, I would wish I would want to do it more, but like sometimes I'll just kind of like, I literally have to force myself to be like, hey, you think what you're writing is, is a piece of shit. And that may be true, but you got to do it anyway. Like you got to just do it because if not, you're not going to, you're not going to feel fulfilled, you know, creatively, you, you know, you want to do this thing and you know, you're passionate about it. 
And like, I literally like, I like sit there and talk to myself like a psychopath. Just like, all right, listen, you gotta like do it. Just force yourself, sit down, just fucking do it. And every time I do, I always like feel like shit right before, but after I'm done, I'm like, oh, that really felt good. That, that felt good to do that. So I just kind of try to try to do that as much as I can and, and have a job at the same time that pays me so I can live. Awesome. Allie, thoughts? Um, only recently have I begun to relax <laughs> with accepting that A, I like, it's not all or nothing. Like, it's not like if I'm not supporting myself making music right now, um, that I have to completely give it up to do something else to support myself. And which plays into this perfectionist sort of mindset. And um, I'm, I've also been learning how it's not personal either. <laughs> like everything, I really believe that timing plays a huge part in life and that it's like a, a pearl in an oyster shell. It's like all these elements are at work all of the time and you never know when the pearl will come. But the point is like not only the pearl, but like what it took to create it. And I think part of that is um, finding the value in all these other ways to support yourself, like whether it's something else you're interested in or just the fact <laughs> of like needing to prove to myself that I just can commit to something and just like, just, just take care of me <laughs> so that I can continue to contribute something to the world and it's all connected anyway. So it's usually, things usually happen, I feel like in really unexpected ways. So even if it's like, you know, not through an album or a song, it's, it's all creative energy in one aspect of another, or another to me. So it's like, what can I contribute to just like be a healthy person? <laughs> in my relationships and in my relationship to my creativity because that's a whole that's a relationship right. so um but only only recently have i begun to like really lift this weight off of myself because especially living in la or in yeah. any big city where there's a lot of industry stuff going on it's like that could, that noise can just get really loud. Um, but I think, I feel like staying authentic to myself is pretty much the best thing I can do for me and everyone else and my music, so. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I felt like you covered spirituality. I felt like I got a motivational spiritual guided answer 
to my philosophical question that gnaws at me every waking day of my life. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That was a good question. <laughs> so, oh, and I would like to add that that's what this what that's what this new single is really all about. It's it's literally it. called "Do It Over Again." Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we just have to keep doing it, and that's what life requires. And there's no way around it. And right. sometimes it's extremely painful, but like at the end of the day. If we can show up, it's about just showing up. It's like show up for yourself, show up the best way you can in the world and like keep doing it, keep doing it no matter what the noise says. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about the do it over again video, which everyone should go and check out. It's on YouTube. And I thought it was so fucking cool so dope so colorful it was it was a it was honestly a really really great video i loved it i love the outfits the the chain the makeup everything the the set the set dressing it was all awesome so i wanted to ask you what the experience of making that video was like kind of what was the inspiration for the video and kind of where did all these ideas come from and, and kind of all these different inspirations that i that i see clearly when i see it Thank you so much. I'm so happy you felt that because that's what it's all about. And like that literally is <laughs> like what um, the inspiration was behind it. Like just the feeling of, I just wanted to let go. <laughs> I just wanted to let go of trying to make something so like perfect and basically just like please everyone right right um because it's really it's hard like sometimes when you want to make meaningful shit as an artist mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so this time i was just like i want to be true to the song and like it's joyful and it and it can be silly and i just want to feel like a little kid like just playing dress up and like having fun yeah. and and really sharing that with everyone and so I told the director like all of that <laughs> and then gave her some references of the colors and some of the themes that I wanted to come across um and she it's it's really cool we work well together like she understands she understands me um and it's great. Like, I just tell her this stuff and we have like a discussion or two. And then she just like went and found this awesome place downtown that's full. It's this building full of rooms that people use for all kinds of shoots. Mm. Uh, so we used two rooms in the, or no. Yeah, there were two different locations, I guess. But yeah, we used two rooms and um it was great because like one of the one of the images that I wanted was this like watering can, like basically watering mm -hmm. a garden with like all these colorful things, like sort of like candy, like a candy vibe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, There's a bit of a Willy Wonka vibe. Yeah. Yeah. 
and but she it was cool because she came she like um riffed off of that and came up with like that half globe image mm -hmm. with like with these awesome people growing out of it and mm -hmm. like watering that and like helping that to grow which is something i really care about <laughs> um so it was like we work really well together in that sense um, yeah i could definitely feel everything you just mentioned about just like wanting to be a kid playing dress up and um just like playing in this fantastical world like that comes through so well in the video and it like that's why it resonated with me because i'm like a giant fucking kid at heart you know and mm -hmm. so i like love all that stuff and it's just like the color of it it really popped and it was just like it felt so free and so like not taking itself too seriously which i i really loved about it yeah oh i'm so happy yeah but we that's just me i love everything you do <laughs> we love we love everything oh my god uh, for you. I appreciate the support. No, anytime, sugar. <laughs> oh, that makes me happy because we all, especially, oh man, within this last year, like, I just, sometimes I really want like all of everyone's inner kid to just get together and like, have a kids party <laughs> yeah i think that is what coachella's for True. That's so. true. yeah but the people look up like coachella people have a certain look to them it's not my type <laughs> i'm not about that we line. call those undesirables <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe uh i i personally prefer like a camping session at Brian's house on the lawn with people. And I prefer that vibe. Yeah, Outdoor right, camping cool. on, on properties. Just squat in my yard, cool. <laughs> squatting. I'm into squatters. Like, I like squatting. I suck at squatting, but it makes my thighs strong. I like Alan. squatters. Not about squatters' rights. I'm not about it. No. <laughs> um, no. I, I, activism is something you're passionate, all three of you are passionate about, as well as Allie. I did want to touch on that when I hang out with the three of you, I do feel I access my inner child. So I appreciate that. I'm I think there are connections where you can type in, type in, tap as the word is actually. <laughs> you can <laughs> tap in your answer into the chat box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Allie, Allie McBlakester, what do you value about having like, so you live a very social justice oriented life. You were, you're in the midst of promoting a show where you're playing music to raise $4,500 for every last one. Will you explain that organization and, um, how you're, you're using music to heal the world? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that lead. Um, yes, no, Every Last One is an amazing organization that um, was born from this other organization called Immigrant Families Together that my brother got involved with like almost four years ago, I think. Um, 
and so introduced that to me and they what they do is basically get children out of these detention centers and reunite them with their families um and now they're in the process there's this whole other level of separation happening where um that's been happening for a long time but it's it's an ongoing thing where the children that come over with like grandparents or aunts or uncles any any other relative that's not their technical like legal guardian or parent they're still getting separated from them and so they're really really working on bringing awareness and helping those families right now and they're just they're incredible they work their asses off and they they've gotten actual results for people um so i am gonna be doing a live stream on may 4th to help uh it's gonna be me and three other musicians and we're gonna try and raise money to help them in their pursuit and Casey, one of the co-founders will be talking, like informing about what they do and like answering some questions. Cause I feel like the other part to sometimes with um, getting engagement with organizations is like sometimes people, sometimes, first of all, these issues are so huge and, and heavy and vast that people don't necessarily understand the details or how they can really help. And um, I think it's just really important and helpful to have the people behind these organizations speak directly to everyone in a context that's like relatable so that it can just be internalized better and like it might not seem or be as overwhelming as it normally would be for people to engage and help and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I felt like this might be a nice way to, to do that with Casey. That's great. Can we put a link on the description of like anywhere that we can like anyone can donate if they want or can support? Yeah, so if you go to everylastone.org that's their website and then every last num with the number one is their instagram um and all like all of their information is there okay perfect and, and we're gonna get a link for your show to post in our yeah i'll be posting that soon um and i yeah i'm gonna send out an email as well so just to give you an i just to give you an idea about Allie's character there was a family of two well no no family of three they were getting um they're going they're an immigrant family that they were reunited and they are now living um in LA and the mother's factory job fell through and they're in need of a place to stay so Allie let Casey know that we can take them in Allie and I have a two-bedroom apartment we were going to share a room move all of our stuff into the same room and then we offered the bedroom to three people and Casey came out to look at the premises and 
she walked right in and she was like, walked right out and was like, okay, so maybe we could figure out other ways to help the family. (laughs) Driving the daughter to school or. um... It was the thought that counted. Yeah. Yes. Good on Casey for that honesty. Yeah, that's very good on Casey. <laughs> and thankfully, they do have they have an apartment now, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> so thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for them. I mean, like <laughs> that they did not have to try and squeeze in one bedroom in our place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was interesting. It was. I understand the feeling of like feeling like you can give something and feeling uh, like you want to and then someone else is like, okay, well, nice try. You're a good person. <laughs> Let's figure out something else. That's all you wanted, really. I, someone to tell you you're a good person. I tell her, I tell you you're a good person, right? Or not enough. Who are you talking like, Oh. <laughs> Yes, you're a very supportive, wonderful friend. How many times uh, a day is Karen supposed to tell you you're a good person now? Come on. <laughs> Let's be real. How many no, times? It's how many times? You live up to the quota. <laughs> the quota. No, it's how many times do I get Allie to tell me that I'm a good person? <laughs> that just really kept Sally's on. Oh, I've met my 50th time today that Allie has validated me. <laughs> That's why I have a lot of friends, so I can. That's why anyone open. has friends. It's super just you want someone to agree with you and tell you you're a good person. Pretty much. <laughs> or we do things like um, make care packages for unhoused humans and pass them out together. <laughs> Allie and I. <laughs> you're such a no, good. So another little yeah, you're so. <laughs> you're so good, Karen. It's like unreal how good or like me you feed the homeless that's just what i do my <laughs> <laughs> days off well every day oh save an animal <laughs> we actually adopted I just adopted 10 dogs i don't know what you're doing but <laughs> yeah. call yourself an ally huh how many homeless have you fed this crazy who have you adopted lately <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not that good of a person. <laughs> Tracy's like the best one out of all of us, but obviously I don't. She's more humble. Like, she does it all. She doesn't need to uh, announce whenever she does something <laughs> altruistic. We, on the other hand, <laughs> tell me how good I am, boo. <laughs> I fed the homeless. Tell me how good I am. <laughs> well, I tell I tell Brian, I tell you you're good all the time. I tell you you're one of the few, like you do, and I appreciate like, that. Cool dudes, you have such yeah. an emotional range. You're very empathetic. I feel like I can have deep talks with you. I feel like I could cry around you. You're very great. You can. And you're yeah. like, a, you're like <laughs> if a gummy bear could be sexy, like a teddy gram and a gummy bear were sexy. That would be mm. <laughs> that's that's the best description so far. Nice. If yeah. Eddie Graham could be sexy. 
<laughs> as if Teddy Grahams aren't sexy right now. First of all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over that. But agree to disagree on that one. But thank you, Karen. No, like you're the embodiment of a sexy Teddy Graham. That's the title of my debut album. Wow, so. So eat that. For those of you come who up can't with something see better than that, boo. Brian is a striking uh, mocha slash caramel colored skin, beautiful beard, well manicured. All right. Well shaped fro. You can tell that he's he has body hair, but he's the tamer of his body hair. So all he is taken. All I love that you said it. You can tell that I can have body hair because you're right, and I hate that you're right about it. <laughs> Well, you you make I it look so, so good. much body hair. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. That's the way you teddy bear. It's so crazy. The it's way you talk about what? Oh, well, I've heard you talk about the butt hairs that you have, and you make them sound so good that I've actually to. gone to take. No one else is gonna appreciate butt hair. Rogaine and putting it on her butt because of you. Yeah, what? she was so inspired. Yeah. Karen, you did not put Rogaine on your ass. <laughs> Karen, did you put Rogaine on your butt? Yeah, now I have hair on my hands because I don't want to rip it off thoroughly. <laughs> Why would you want hair on your butt? You make it, you talk, I listen. I was lying. Of course you don't want hair on your butt. Uh, Nobody wants hair on their butt. Oh no, but just pretend you do because it's too late. I already have cornrows on my ass oh my god <laughs> now you're culturally appropriating with your butt hair god damn it karen i mean i have to do it somewhere I feel like you're, you're not a you're what? not you're not a full colonizing white person until you culturally appropriate your one time hair. in your life and then your it has to be hair, on yeah. your butt hair just to really <laughs> just the one time well, we Jews, God, it was just the one time with my butt braids. It was on the worst. You know, Jewish Jewish people You're gonna get have canceled hair. in three years because you corn rolled your ass hair. And it's gonna be the best thing. I'm gonna, that I'm gonna get canceled because I put Rogaine on my ass cheeks trying to get butt hair to be like you. I'm already canceled. I'm so canceled. I'm crawling out from the depths of the cancel and pile. Then, and then after you take your cornrows out, your hair, your butt hair is going to turn into like that really weird, like white boy Rasta LA thing that happens out here that all those white guys have. That's what your hair is going to turn into. <laughs> oh, shit. It's oh, like gosh. all these dreadlocked white guys. That's what you're going to have dreadlocked white guy ass hair. That's all right. right. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah, I'm going to dread. You know what else I should dread? my pubes oh, when I have when I'm done with that once on my butt hair and my pubes are dreaded I will send pictures it's so funny that you could technically culturally appropriate on your ass and on your vagina and no one would ever know oh people you would just know walk that around. the pictures that you could send. just walk around and no one would ever know. I show people I oh I could walk around and not be you know people won't get paid but I would have to show walk pictures up to of people and body because that's just something. Right <laughs> yeah. You would show everyone pictures. No idea. Just I, to prove that you're actually doing it. You should do that in your next uh, newsletter. <laughs> you what, take pictures of my butt? First of all, 
That'll definitely get people to open the newsletter. Guarantee that. Should I should I put in the email like what's it called? Headline? What is the real word for it? The bold text. Subject. Sub not the subject. Is that a subject line? Thank you. No, the subject. Should I put no subject? Should I put the subject in subject like my butt hair pic, like my culturally appropriating ass? You'll want to see this. You'll want to see this. Yeah, start with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tease it. Just tease it. Don't give it all away in the beginning. But no one will open it if they don't get to see. You tease them. You're going to want to see this. And then boom, it comes up. All right. We'll figure it out. What I'll if like, you set show. it up where you like release it yourself to people just because you want to get yourself canceled just for the notoriety? I think that would be <laughs> I think the way oh I God. live my life. Let's get you trending on Twitter. As That's like the next wave. Instead of sex tapes, it'll be like people trying to get canceled so they can be famous. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, live, I live my life like a Listen, giant. If, if it all goes downhill for me, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been canceled so many times that it's I just find friends that know I'm like already canceled past the cancellation point and they like all right whatever so <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're Harvey Weinstein and all your friends is everyone else in Hollywood <laughs> all right Allie thank you <laughs> sorry this is the last 20 minutes of your interviews <laughs> dumb shit Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ali. Thank you so much. Thank you. The so new single is Do It Over Again. It's on Spotify and Apple Music and everywhere you get your music. The album Blood is out now on Spotify and all music platforms. Check it out. The Do It Over Again music video is on YouTube on Ali Blake's page. Just Google it. You will find it. Do it because it's dope and I love it. That's it. And my yes. Instagram is Allie Blake Music.